Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. After establishing a marvelous organic metaphor at the beginning of chapter 2 in his first epistle, concerning our enjoyment of Christ in his word as the nourishing milk is to a newborn babe, the Apostle Peter suddenly changes the metaphor to something mineral. He picks up the thought of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, even quoting him in chapter 28, verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord Jehovah, Indeed, I lay a stone in Zion as a foundation, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone as a foundation firmly established. He who believes will not hasten away. Well, Peter shows us that the same Christ, who is the very milk in the word to the believers, is also this stone, a tested, precious cornerstone for the foundation of God's building. But Peter then goes even farther than Isaiah and points out that this stone chosen by God and precious can also be a stone of stumbling or even offense to those who don't believe. Bob Danker has joined us for, on the one hand, a marvelous and encouraging word. On the other hand, I would say somewhat a sober kind of warning word, isn't it, Bob? Yes, Chris. Actually, the word concerning Christ is often encouraging on the one hand and sobering on the other hand. And that's really true here in Peter's word concerning Christ as a stone. Actually, Christ is the stone to the believers to build them into God's building. He is also a stone in a negative sense to the unbelievers among God's people, that is, the Jews who disbelieve and even could be to the Christians who disbelieve in him. Mm. And also, he is another kind of stone to the nations, to the Gentiles, So Christ is the all-inclusive stone to carry out God's economy on this earth. Well, this first portion, we want to look at this uh, stone as Peter reveals Christ uh, in its more positive light. Uh, In verse 4 of chapter 2, and again, this is right after the verses that talk about the enjoyment of the milk and the word, longing, desiring it as a newborn babe. Then Peter says, coming to him, or from the King James, to whom coming, which you'll hear witnessly use uh, that language coming to him a living stone rejected by men, but with God chosen and precious. And then verse six, which is the quote of Isaiah, behold, I lay in Zion a cornerstone chosen and precious, and he who believes in him shall by no means be put to shame. And the matter of believing is going to be very important today, isn't it, Bob? It certainly is, Chris. All right, why don't we join Witness Lee? A lot here today. We want to uh, take as much time as we can to uh, have Witness Lee open up this very wonderful passage of Peter's writings. In verse 4, from the milk we come to the stone, rejected by man, but with God chosen, held in honor. This living stone has been rejected by the leaders of God's people, the Pharisees. They rejected this stone, but this stone was chosen by God. This choosing 
by God is uh, of two times. Number one, Christ was chosen by God in eternity past. That was the initial choosing. Then the second time, God chose Christ in resurrection. Resurrection was a strong proof that God has chosen Christ. The first time was initial, but the second time is a confirmation. You know, when Christ was put on the cross, apparently he was rejected by God. To the eyes of the Pharisees, to the eyes of all his opposers, that he was put on the cross was a strong sign that he was rejected by God. Yet, after he was buried three days, Christ was resurrected. And that resurrection to the Pharisees and all the posers, there was a great surprise, a kind of a sign of God's choosing. God has chosen Christ to be the stone for his building. So from that time, the time of resurrection, Christ is held in honor. It's not only in glory, but in honor. A kind of preciousness that is held in honor. This word should refers to Christ, not only his resurrection, but also his ascension. After God resurrected him, God lifted him up to the heavens. His ascension was a sign, a confirmation of God's choosing of him. Right after his ascension, Peter got clear that Christ is the chosen Messiah by God. So, not only in this book, right away on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 4, Peter told the Jews the same thing. The very stone that you have rejected, God has made him the hide of the cornerstone. So, on this earth, there's no other name given that we may be saved. Bob, this matter of Christ being the stone is significant in Peter's writings uh, throughout, and it seems to have its root very early in his own experience with the Lord, doesn't it? Because obviously, as he refers to here, Peter had this realization of what Isaiah was talking about uh, was confirmed in the resurrection and ascension of Christ, so much so that he even uses it in his very first gospel message, doesn't he? That's right. In Acts chapter 4, Peter announced that the very Christ, the very Jesus, whom the hearers of his message had actually rejected and put on the cross. They had shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Peter announced to them that God had resurrected this Jesus. And then 
Immediately he said, This one is the stone which the builders rejected, but God has chosen and made him the cornerstone of God's building. Wow. So here in his gospel message in Acts chapter 4, Peter presented Christ as the cornerstone, the one who would join the Jews and the Gentiles together to be one building, the house of God. So this indicates that it was in the resurrection of Christ that He was chosen by God to be the cornerstone of God's building. But even when the Lord Jesus was on the earth before his death, he told the Pharisees that he was the stone that they, the builders, would reject. So this implies that actually even before his resurrection, God had chosen him already. Actually, God chose Christ initially to be the cornerstone for his building in eternity past before the universe, and man was even created. Mm. So Christ is the chosen one of God, and his resurrection was a great confirmation that he had been chosen by God to be the cornerstone. And then Peter, in his epistle, of course, he speaks of Christ in these verses as the cornerstone, and he quotes Isaiah 28, verse 16. Isaiah said, Behold, I lay in Zion a precious stone. Well, what is Zion here? Well, Zion is God's dwelling place. And we know that Zion was a place on the earth where the temple was built. But also, according to Revelation 14, it also means the heavens. So this verse in Isaiah declares that God set Christ in the heavens as a stone. That, of course, is a reference to Christ's ascension. So here we have three different references on three different occasions to Christ's being chosen by God to be the cornerstone, giving us a marvelous, I would say, panoramic view of God choosing this one, this uh, Jesus Christ, to be this cornerstone for his building. So since God has chosen him, surely we also should choose him by believing in him. Interesting point that he makes in this portion, no doubt when the Lord was put on the cross, to the opposers, to the unbelievers, this was uh, to them a kind of a vindication of their uh, unbelief and surely a sign of God's rejection. But as we just heard, as you've uh, underscored, really this was God's confirming of him as the chosen cornerstone for the building because in that crucifixion comes the resurrection, the ascension. This was a big surprise, wasn't it? A big surprise to those who had rejected the Lord. The Lord came to be the stone to join the Jews to the Gentiles for God's eternal building. But these Jewish leaders who confronted the Lord in his incarnation, they rejected him and were not qualified to be a part of God's building. Let's go on on that thought, because uh, Witness Lee will uh, come back to this phrase, the stone which the builders rejected. This is uh, 1 Peter 2, 7. Uh, The Lord himself in Matthew 21 mentions this very same thing. Jesus said to them, now these would be the Pharisees, the uh, religious leaders who were rejecting him. Have you never read in scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? This has become the head of the corner. Therefore, I say to you that the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation producing its fruit. And he who falls on this stone shall be broken into pieces. But on whomever it falls, it shall crush him to powder and scatter him like chaff. 
so this stone is uh, got some pretty rough edges if you come at it from the angle of unbelief, doesn't it, Bob? It certainly does, Chris. <laughs> All right, let's go back to Witness Lee. Verse 7, a stone which the builders rejected, this become the head of the corner. And then a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. This is the word. It's easy for you and me to believe in this word. But with the Jews, uh-huh, they would not believe in this word. The Jews, they would not believe this word. So whoever believes not this word stumbles at the word. Don't think today even the Christians would not stumble at the word. This is a straight word. Could I ever thought about it that Christ could be a rock of offense? Many Christians don't believe that Christ is so strict. On the one hand, Christ is the building stone. On the other hand, Christ is also a stumbling stone. They say, no, 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 no. The Lord Jesus is merciful. The Lord Jesus has a broadened heart. You be careful about this. Do you believe this word or not? If you don't, you stumble at this word right away. He is the stumbling block to you. Actually, the Lord Jesus told the people, the Pharisees, the same thing in Matthew. There, the Lord Jesus added one more item. He is not only the building stone, he is not only the uh, stumbling stone, mm-hmm. he is also the, the crushing stone. Like a grinding stone, crossing the hard things into pieces, even into powder. Well, this is mentioned in Daniel 2. Daniel tells us when the Lord Jesus comes back the second time, he will crush all the apostles into pieces, into powder. Bob, this is a, a fearsome image of Christ. We often hear of him as the loving Lamb of God, but we're seeing another aspect today, aren't we? We certainly are. Of course, the word about Christ as the cornerstone is a wonderful word, a very positive word, and it's really for us. But those who do not believe in the Lord, especially in the word concerning the Lord. And there are many words in the scriptures concerning Christ. Not all of them are pleasant to our ears. Some of them, as Witness Lee pointed out, are very strict. But we need to accept and believe all the words that relate to Christ. The Jews, when the Lord came the first time, they rejected him. They were stubborn in their unbelief. And to them... The Lord Jesus became a stone of stumbling. They stumbled upon this stone. And the Lord said, if you fall on this stone, that means if you stumble on him and Mm -hmm. fall, then you will be broken into pieces. This is exactly what happened to the unbelieving leaders of the Jewish people at that time. And we, as the Lord's believers, we have to be careful also that we are not guilty of unbelief and rejecting certain words concerning Christ that don't suit our taste. We think they're not pleasant. We're not happy to receive them. 
but we need to receive all the words concerning our Lord because they are really for our benefit and our building up. Yeah, um, this is a very, very good point. I remember a story about a famous American in history. I don't think it's necessary that I name him, but he's known for having a Bible that was full of holes because he cut out all the verses that he didn't agree with. Well, in a lot of ways, we're all this way to a degree, aren't we? We have our kind of concept of what Jesus is and what the Lord is. And when we run across those passages or those things that don't match our concept, we tend to, maybe not physically with a pair of scissors, but we sort of remove those from our version, don't we? That's right. It's very easy to do that. We like to believe that Jesus is so loving, so kind all the time, and there's nothing strict or serious about him. But the Word does tell us that if we don't believe the Word concerning the Lord, we will stumble on him and we will be broken to pieces. This is a strict word, and we need to receive it. And also this word about the Lord being a crushing stone, that is a very strong word, that the Lord will crush the Gentile nations at his coming back. This is a word that Daniel tells us, and we have to believe this. When the Lord comes back, on the one hand, he will come to receive us to himself, he will come to take his bride in a loving way, but to the opposing ones, to the nations on this earth that are in rebellion against God and are fighting against God, the Lord will come as a stone to crush them into powder. Well, of course, this is Daniel chapter 2 and the image of the great human image there representing all the, the kingdoms of the earth and all of the history of mankind. You were watching until a stone was cut out without hands and it struck the image at its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Of course, we know this is a reference to the Lord's second coming to us. We are anticipating and looking forward to his coming. But again, the stone, the crushing stone comes at the same time. That's right. Wow. Sober words. Well, we promised this program had two sides to it. In verse 8, we continue in chapter 2 of 1 Peter in this last section. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense who stumble at the word, being disobedient to which also they were appointed. So here we have a kind of a disobedience, and a disobedience that was appointed to them, those who stumble and don't believe. Let's uh, join Witness Lee once again. Now, let us read on. What's time by the word? Being disobedient to the truth, to which also they were appointed. This sounds very strange, not so logic to our mind. But you think about, if you don't believe whatever the Bible says concerning Christ, you stumble at him. The result is what? Rebellion. That is disobedience. So this disobedience is a kind of appointed person. It's very logical because you don't believe in the word. And you stumble at the word. So what? So spontaneously, you are reap the fruit, the harvest. You reap what you have sown. You see, you have sown the unbelief. So you reap the disobedience. This is the result. There's something appointed to you. Rather, I would say this is a basic spiritual governing principle. Be careful. Not only with the Jews, even now. Many Christians also stumble at the word, not at the Greek word, 
May the Lord's merciful, He's full of kindness, He's so gracious. No one would stumble at this gracious word, but the Bible also has the what? Strict word. <laughs> the building stone, the head of the corner, is also a stamping block. It's also a rock of offense. You be careful. Bob, let's pick up this uh, connection that we see in this section. The matter of disobedience, even rebellion, and its relationship, its connection to unbelief. Yes, this is quite a uh, connection here. Basically, here, disobedience to God is portrayed as the fruit of unbelief. So the root is unbelief. If we do not believe the word of God concerning Christ then the fruit born from this unbelief will spontaneously be a disobedience to God. We will not obey God. In fact, we will do the opposite of what God wants us to do. Our unbelief will lead us spontaneously to a disobedience, and that will also produce a kind of rebellion within us, a kind of almost an opposing Wow. of the Lord. This is very serious. So this is why Paul in Hebrews warned the Hebrew believers that saying to them, beware lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief. unbelief. Right. And Paul here was referring back to the book of Numbers when the children of Israel sent the spies into the good land to spy out the land and 10 of them came back with an evil report. And This evil report was out of their unbelieving heart. They had an evil heart of unbelief. They wouldn't believe that God could bring them into the land and overthrow the peoples of the land and give them the land as Mm -hmm. God promised them. Mm -hmm. So they didn't believe God's word. So that led to their disobedience and even rebellion, as we see in the book of Numbers. So this is a very sobering word. We have to beware lest there be in us a evil heart of unbelief, not willing to believe God's word. This will produce fruit, a negative kind of fruit, disobedience, and even rebellion. We see this a lot in our current culture. I appreciate how you brought out the fact that this kind of unbelief even produces an opposing to God. And and like I say, we see this in our popular culture of this era. There's not just a sort of a neutral unbelief. There's kind of an aggressive opposing God and the idea of God in many people. We see it in young people. And as I mentioned to you before the broadcast today, I've also seen oftentimes teenagers or maybe teenage boys that have a very hard exterior and a kind of a rebellious attitude and a rebellious uh, kind of living, when you really get to confront them and are able to uh, bring them to the point where they accept and receive the Lord, in other words, they believe, this rebellion and this veneer so often just immediately disappears, doesn't it? That's marvelous, Chris. Really, what we need is the Word of God and for the Lord to have mercy on us and give us a believing heart. Once we believe in the Lord, our disobedience to Him vanishes. Well, again, we can uh, maybe take some comfort that uh, to a degree He seemed to be speaking to the unbelieving Jews, but I think we were also very much sobered and warned by how this could apply even in our own lives. And we really need to be exercising to believe every word 
that proceeded out of the mouth of God and out of the mouth of the apostles and has been given to us today, don't we? I agree, Chris. Bob, thanks uh, for joining us today and uh, look forward to uh, when you can come back again and be part of another life study of First Peter. It's always a pleasure, Chris. We'd like to invite you to contact us. We have a lot of resources here. Of course, we have the printed life study messages, uh, many other things at Living Stream. Uh, the recovery version with these footnotes that we, uh, without these footnotes, Bob, and the recovery version, I don't, I don't know how we'd prepare for these programs each day to you. <laughs> I certainly don't either. <laughs> so this is another uh, resource we'd like to recommend to you. You can find out about all the things we have available at Living Stream Ministry. If you'll call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. And our mailing address, if you'd like to write to us, is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also reach us by email. Our email address is radio at lsm.org. We hope you'll be with us tomorrow. Uh, we're going to go on on this matter of Christ as the living stone and we also as living stones being useful in the building of God's house. So for Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wild. Thanks for listening today and please join us again tomorrow. Witness Lee's remarkable commentary on the life of Abraham, taken from the life study of Genesis, is now available from Living Stream Ministry in a single volume entitled Abraham Called by God. Abraham Called by God by Witness Lee is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.